Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova, and I had JP Morgan Global Commodities Research. Today, we would like to discuss the incentive price of oil needed to ensure that the world has enough investment and enough oil by 2030. 2022 was the year when, for the first time, efficiency policies put in place more than a decade ago became uh, became visible in the data, especially in the high-frequency U.S. data. For example, Americans collectively traveled more last year than in 2021 and drove a similar amount of miles as in 2019, yet used 6% less gasoline. Similarly, American uh, truckers are also driving more or less by substituting petroleum-based distillates with bio and renewable diesel. Today, biofuels account for about 5% of total U.S. diesel supply, a share that is projected to increase by 15% uh, by 2030. Yet, and very similar to our last year's analysis, we don't see a peak oil demand on the horizon. Mostly, uh, the main reason for that is that uh, the emerging markets are industrializing and there is improvement in standards of living. And because of that, the overall consumption to go through, through our forecast period, even with decarbonization. Uh, some numbers, we estimate that global oil demand will likely reach 106.9 million barrels per day in 2030, up slightly over 7 uh, million barrels per day compared with 2022 levels. Uh, the number, however, is about 0.6 million barrels per day below our year ago estimates. A um, couple of reasons for that, lower than expected oil demand in 23-24, depresses the trend growth, but also the passage of Inflation Reduction Act, the two new EPA proposals in the U.S., uh, as well as the adoption of more stringent environmental rules in Europe. So all of that has uh, contributed to the downgrade. So looking by products, what will happen with the global demand, according to our estimates, by 2030, uh, gasoline, which long uh, has been the mainstay of oil demand, is the only product for which we forecast demand to decline over the current decade. Uh, additionally, consumption of petroleum-based road diesel will likely plateau over our eight-year forecast, uh, with larger share of demand substituted by biofuels. In contrast, we believe that demand for all other products will continue to grow as decarbonization technologies do not yet exist at the scale required to move the needle by 2030. Again, very important distinction, all our forecasts are by the year 2030. Um, so crucially, oil demand growth will be increasingly driven by petrochemicals complex and air travel products. Uh, chemical feedstock alone will account for 2.4 million barrels per day, or about uh, one-third of overall demand gains during our forecast pre uh, period, driven by new liquid space facilities concentrated in China. So what comes next? Uh, on the demand side, this is mostly uh, uh, likely a two-track future. Um, number one, with the demand profile shifting over the next several years, refiners will need to switch the yields away from gasoline products. Um, we believe that U.S. refiners will likely feel the impact the most um, because unlike European refiners that are configured to produce equal amounts of gasoline and diesel, U.S. refiners are built to produce a lot of gasoline uh, from a given slate of crude oils. Uh, for example, U.S. gasoline yield has been largely unchanged since 1993 at about 46%. Um, there's possibility that the refiners are also likely to cut supply faster than the drop in demand with more plants due to shut or convert to smaller capacity biofuels facilities. The result could be a mismatch in supply of products and, and price spikes. The second implication pertains to the quality of crude. 
Um, so in the context of slowing road fuel demand growth, that would be the, the gasoline, uh, diesel. Uh, the focus of refiners will shift from fuels to chemicals and from crude oil to natural gas liquids as a feedstock. So accordingly, demand for crude oil to produce uh, combustor fuels like gasoline, diesel, jet, and fuel oil is on course to peak somewhere towards the end of this de decade or early, uh, or early after that. At the same time, consumption of ethane, butane, and propane, those are all very you know, esoteric markets, um, but they're the so-called natural gas liquids or the NGOs used in the production of petrochemicals is set to rise. So moving to the supply, if in the case of the demand, we're moving from uh, road fuels to petrochemicals and the supply, we're moving from crude to liquids. So here we differentiate between our baseline supply, which is from currently operating production, uh, producing operations. Um, we assume that this supply will rise from uh, 99.1 million barrels per day in 2022 to a peak of 104.5 million barrels per day in 2027, before falling back to about 102.6 uh, in 2030. Producers outside the OPEC alliance, in particular the Americas, dominate our eight-year uh, forecast horizon with a net of almost 3 million barrels per day of uh, supply boost, where this is about 83% of the total increase. U.S. oil producers are leading the surge. Uh, we expect U.S. supply alone to account for about 3.5 million barrels per day of the non-OPEC output growth. Uh, on top of that, you have Canada, Guyana, Brazil, Argentina. So we believe that combined, they will contribute an additional 2.2 million barrels per day. Uh, looking at the OPEC Plus Alliance, uh, we believe that production will decline uh, collectively by about 0.8 million barrels per day, led by underinvested African members, while output remains largely flat from the core uh, OPEC Plus members. Um, Iran is definitely one of the countries we're looking very close at, um, so they're exhibiting a very elevated export levels, uh, higher domestic runs. Uh, so at the moment, we believe Iran is producing about 3 million barrels per day, and we assume that the country ramps up and maintains output at about 3.3 million barrels per day throughout our forecast period. Our view on Russia has not changed uh, since, you know, since last year. For all our listeners, you know that. Uh, so we do believe that Russia will be able to maintain its oil production at pre-war levels of about 10.8 million barrels per day. Again, very important. This is crude and condensate combined. Um, but we believe Russia will have difficulties getting back to pre-COVID volumes of about 11.3. Uh, importantly, oil is not a single uh, homogenous substance. substance uh, while total global oil liquids production is forecast to rise by about 3.5 million barrels per day, growth will be dominated by lighter liquids, which will grow twice as fast as crude. So for example, crude and condensate will increase about 1 million barrels per day. Supply of biofuels and natural gas liquids will increase by 2.3, so substantially higher. So with our view on the oil demand and combined with our view on the baseline supply, there is a gap opening between demand and crude and condensate of about 4.3 million barrels per day, which needs to be filled with, uh, with projects. Uh, the pipeline of existing projects is very large, actually. We uh, we found about 250 projects, so it's uh, about 7 million barrels per day of uh, combined capacity, uh, for combined production, actually, to be uh, to be exact. 
Uh, a lot of those projects, uh, half of those projects, it's about 20 contribute uh, almost two and a half million barrels per day. But a lot of those projects are just very small scale expansions of about 10 kBD here and there. But cumulatively and combined, that's a significant amount of uh, production that will uh, that exists currently in the pipeline. Uh, but we do believe that uh, not all those projects will get developed. Only projects that pass required economic threshold will proceed. And we set the economic hurdle of uh, IRR of about 20% after tax and 25%. And we run two scenarios under 2 and 4% inflation. So uh, the output of our modeling uh, concludes that assuming a 2% inflation, the low end of the range for the Brent incentive price needed to fill our 4.3 million barrels per day supply gap sits at about $63 uh, at an IR of 20%. Uh, IRR of 25% points, uh, points to an incentive price of around $78 per barrel. And the 4% inflation scenario, the low end of the range for the Brent incentive price is around $80 based on IRR of 20% and a higher IRR of 25% points to a significantly higher incentive price of around $100. So supply potential is there, but the investment required to develop is not guaranteed. Um, some perspective in the numbers, uh, global upstream investment in oil and gas peaked at about $750 billion in 2014 before falling to around 380 uh, two years later after the oil price collapse in 2015. Uh, COVID pandemic uh, resulting oil market slump uh, left a sizable dent in investment, uh, dragging total investment down to a record low of $350 billion. Um, so today, um, the situation has improved. Uh, oil and gas activity once again began to increase in 2022. Last year, the cap is, was around $450 billion. Uh, we believe this year it's, it's high 400s, maybe low 500s. Um, so similarly, total numbers of wells completed peaked around 2014 at about 88,000. Last year, they were sitting at around 55,000. Um, global completed wells, that's about 35% decline from 2014 levels. So what is uh, surprising is that when you look at the BOSS metrics investment and wells drilled, uh, there is a substantial, like a jaw-dropping 40% decline below 2014 levels, yet total oil supply has risen about 3% during 2014 and 2022 period. For scale, a 75% surge in CapEx between 2006 and 2014 resulted in a 5% global liquids production growth. So we believe the key reason behind uh, the stable production profile, despite boss investments and well activity levels dropping significantly since 2014, are the declining unit costs due to efficiency and pro uh, productivity gains. Uh, so in other words, the industry today can produce the same amount of barrels, but at a much lower cost. Um, so a couple of statistics behind that. Um, today, the cost of drilling and completing a foot of lateral lengths in the United States shale patches 36% lower than in 2014. At the same time, cumulative 12 months oil production from the same lateral lengths has surged 23% over the same period. Accordingly, $1 million spent today in the onshore U.S. results in about 95% more production over the first 12 months of the operations than the same million dollars spent in 2014. So we believe this improved efficiencies explain why the U.S. crude and condensate production surged over 50% since 2014, despite the 37% drop in CapEx. Uh, similarly, globally, cost of operating capital equipment have also declined substantially since 2014. For example, the average 
day rate for offshore drill ships reached the maximum of about $533,000 per day in 2014. Last year, the same was $336,000 per day. That's down almost uh, almost 30% from the peak. So uh, to sum it all up, uh, we do believe that the world is capable of producing more oil with fewer investment dollars compared to the early uh, 2010s. Uh, however, while we find that today's investment in upstream oil and gas healthy, we do believe that the capital spent needs to stay at the current about $500 billion per year to fill the supply gap uh, in 2030. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition at JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continue the conversation next week. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2023, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on June 30th, 2023.